Hi, I am in Cancun, but I still wanted to bring you an episode of Vulnerable. So today I will be speaking with Shanae Grimes-Beach, who is a wonderful actress and mom and entrepreneur, as well as a creator like myself. We definitely have a sliding doors effect. And today we're gonna get into it and talk all about her many, many lives. I'm Christy Carlson Romano, and this is The Vulnerable Podcast. Hi, Shanae. What's up? <laughs> good to see you. How's Nashville? It's good. It's good. Yeah, I can't complain. How How is a vacation, I assume? Oh, yeah, this is great. Um, we've been lucky to be hit with a couple of outings, and it turns out that Oops, the kids didn't have their passports, so we had to go. <laughs> How inconvenient. <laughs> oh, man, you know, we just figured it out. And <laughs> I went to Nashville, loved it. Um, curious, I'll, I'll definitely want to f- know your reasons for moving there, which I probably share a lot of. Um, in fact, I do feel like we share a lot of a lot. We do. Uh, <laughs> other than looking like we could be related in some strange way, I feel like. Now, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> still, still our type. <laughs> um, no, for real, though, I love watching Shanae's content and watching you grow and watch you and your husband do fun content and watching that grow. And I've been, I feel like you've been on my radar for years now. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't that weird? Like, one day you're like, oh, I'm going to start making content. You know, work's kind of slow. Boom. Now it's like, it's it takes a lot of time, I'm sure. Would you call yeah. it full-time at this point? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Okay. I mean, full whatever time I have the capacity for, <laughs> you know? It's not nine to five, but it's, it's uh, yeah, it's crazy consuming. I definitely uh-huh. don't have time for anything else. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <No. laughs> That's why, hence the reason I'm here with a backdrop in Cancun. I know, I know. And people don't realize that, do they? You know, because they think you're just, well, especially when you come from the world of acting and that's mm-hmm. what people might know you for. Mm-hmm. They just assume that you're on social media, like sharing your life because it's just a good time to share your life or, you know, whatever yeah. it is. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it's definitely a business. I ironically am not the kind of person who ever in life thinks to whip out my phone and take a photo or take mm, a video. Like I'm terrible with it. My husband is that guy and thank oh, God good. for him. Otherwise like my, we would have no photographic evidence that we ever had children. Like I'm just not. <laughs> <laughs> and, but with work, luckily I have wonderful home videos and all of this stuff because yeah. you know, when it's for work, then I'm like, okay, this is like my task right now. I have to do this. Um, right. But yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of like the antithesis of, of who I am on a personal level, which is just so funny. But yeah. Yeah. But it also shows how far you've come too, because that's not something that I think you or I ever thought we would be doing. And <laughs> like we never saw ourselves here. When we think back and, you know, like now we basically have like our own unscripted show that we produce and create every week on and YouTube. Live. Meanwhile, yes. you know, going back 10 years, like I remember E Network wanted to do a special on our wedding and we were like, never, like absolutely <laughs> 
not. We would roll. never no. do reality. We never, you know, and now I'm like, we, we do that ourselves every, every week. But, you know, there is something to say for having your own agency um, and having the ability to, to, yeah. to have your narrative be your own. And so, yeah. you know, in, in the podcast, what I really like to do is kind of talk about, you know, people's journeys and you above one of, above all the people I know are one of the people that I really kind of understand, but I feel like you got a lot more on the negative side. So like a lot of people will be like, Oh, Chrissy, like, how did you subvert paparazzi? How did you not get swept up in that? And I feel like we are almost like the two roads one could go down ending up Mm -hmm. relatively in the same place though, which is really Mm kind of cool. Love, love Mm -hmm. your husband, have children, (laughs) not living in Hollywood, you know, happy, you know? Um, Uh, and, and, and yet it is interesting, the, the journey, I'm really, I'm really excited to chat with you. Thank you for like taking time because your time is valuable. So thank you. No, I, I am always happy to chat with you. I love, I love catching up with you because I feel like there are just so many parallels and um, it's nice to speak to other people who have like been through such a wild experience that not a lot of people can relate to, but um, but kind of move through it with a similar head on their shoulders because there's a lot of people who have experienced it who like I don't align with and, and oh, don't I'm understand. Oh, I'm sure, huh? I'm sure. <laughs> and you know, it's funny how many people actually have experienced versions of it but choose not to embrace it um, or yeah. like move past it. I feel like there's a lot of people who are still in active trauma, if you want to call it that, yeah. that are like stuck in LA having to live this life of, Oh, will my agent call me? You know, um, I need to be thinner. I need to date this person. Just like cra- like craziness. Like that's just the bare minimum of the crazy. But mm-hmm. um, but alas, I digress. The last <laughs> time we spoke, you were in a podcast um, yeah. with Annalyn McCord. Yeah. And that was right before shit blew up for Annalyn. Oh my gosh! I know. I know. What in the world happened? <laughs> Bless. I know it was, it was, you know, I don't know, to be honest, like I, it was one of those things where like, I hear from, you know, her and whatever, like PS, like Google this. And I was like, Oh my God, what is happening right now? But you know, it's one of those things where I know Annalyn on such a deep level, like so far beyond obviously anything you're, you're seeing on the internet. And of course, um, of course, people, it was like shitty timing because it was like very soon of it happening. So everyone was just kind of jumping on everything at that yeah. point, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, I think that made it blow up into something even bigger than it, it would have or could have. But makes sense. Um, you know, what I love about Annalyn is, first of all, like her actions are always they come from a place of, of love and processing. She's very open about the childhood trauma, the severe and horrific childhood trauma that she experienced. And I know, and what I would hope that people with like, you know, who knew anything about her and the problem is most people who who saw that headline didn't. Right. But I would hope that anyone who did know anything about her, because she's so public about it, which is like, 
talk about vulnerable, right? Yeah. Like, my God. Um, yeah. But she does that to help other survivors move through their trauma and their experience. And, and to me, that's a very selfless thing. And so when I see something like that come out and blow up, like I know Annalyn, I totally get the reaction, the public reaction to it. Because if you don't know where it's coming from, it's like, what in the actual fuck? Yeah. Um, but for her, she's processing still, you know, this childhood trauma um, of every day. Every every episode of the podcast, it comes up. We we talk about something different that she's moving through yeah, that's um, and amazing. experiencing. That's and amazing so- that you could be that friend to her too, because you know, uh, you know, co-hosting podcasting. I have another podcast that's like animation focused, and like it, it's it it is a big deal to take the time to dedicate to your friend that way and co-host with her and like honor her journey. And I'm sure you, you also. And vice versa. Oh my God. Annalyn ends up being like my therapist in every episode, you know, like it, what's fun for us in doing that podcast is that like, it gives us an excuse and a reason to actually have to show up and like keep in touch on a more regular basis because we love each other so much. And we've been through so much together that like we, we are always bonded for life. And when we would occasionally catch up it'd obviously be just like no time had passed, but we've never on a weekly basis or on a monthly basis, like been in each other's, you know, ear holes and really catching up on that day-to-day stuff. Um, but you know, even when shit hit the fan and, and, you know, I obviously, sorry, I'm going to turn that off. No, you're good. Um, For those who don't know, Annalyn had, um, a, a, a poem that she wrote to Putin, uh, when the Ukraine Putin war kind of kicked off. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it wasn't received in the way that she had wanted it to be received. I think that the reason why she kind of threw it out there, um, like immediately or because it was topical, you know what I mean? It was topical. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I think her intention was to be kind. And unfortunately it was not received, but with kind comments and if, and people were, I guess, essentially saying it was tone deaf, but and I, I get that because I don't disagree with that. And I think she, you know, is like a- after the fact, like, oh, my God, you know, like what but she sure. wasn't thinking yeah. about like how it would be received by people. She doesn't think about how people widely will receive anything that she does. She does. She acts and, yeah. and behaves from a place of love and processing first yeah. and foremost, always. And to reach the one person that might need to hear that that day. And for right. her, children are such a great passion of hers. She has been um, an advocate for mm-hmm. anti-sex trafficking for mm-hmm. as long as I've known her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, she experienced her own childhood traumas that she's yeah. spoken about publicly and continues mm-hmm. to. Um, and children for her are just like this pure light. And at some point along the way, we all get fucked up by everything that happens, right, in our lives yep. and in our paths and whatever. And so that is where it was coming from. Um, and and the brilliant thing about Anna Lynn is, like, she is so energy-focused and so focused on, like, her healing journey that, like, yep. if, you know, 20 million-plus eyeballs were watching me and embarrassing me and shitting all over me, I would like want to curl up in the fetal position in my home in a corner and like never come out. (laughs) And Anna Lynn is just like, 
you know what? Like, oh my God, well, that's embarrassing. Okay, well, moving on. Like, she's just, you yeah, know, she's so like, she, if it could happen anything, to anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's like, I'm not going to, I can't let that like enter like my energy field right now. Like I need to continue to move forward being a positive light for other people and to care for myself. Like she always talks about little Anna inside because mm. the inner child in her was obviously horrifically traumatized. And so she right. views it now as her job to take care of that girl. And I'm like, what a beautiful thing. How amazing yeah. to to have that, to, to walk through the line of fire that like, yeah. I cannot imagine being yeah. in. And yeah. she moved through it with grace and like yeah. a cool calmness about her. And, and she is, you know, continuing to thrive because of it. And I think that's brilliant. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Things happen in a weird way. And of course now I think like, uh, we should definitely get into, you know, your journey as well. I saw you post something on TikTok that immediately made me like, no, Sinead needs to come on right now. Um, so oh, <laughs> it was the one where you're like, <laughs> something about childhood trauma or as a child yeah. actor and your husband, yeah. and you're like making him listen to all your shit. And I do yeah, that, like, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> my poor husband. But come on, it makes him love me more, you know, wounded bird and everything. Um, like, this is why I like this, you yeah. know. <laughs> Just give me a hug. Oh, God. All right. So I didn't realize. So when did you start acting? I mean, I started when I was... It was the summer between eighth and ninth grade. So what 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 are you like thirteen at that point? I would say yeah, like twelve, yeah. thirteen. Those are very 12, formative years, very yeah. formative. Yeah, 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 and definitely still mm-hmm. a child. I feel like our society yeah. feels like oh, eighth grade, <laughs> they're in euphoria. Yeah, like no, <laughs> I know. Well, nowadays, <laughs> right? Yeah, but that's the thing. It's, it's like eighth grade is, grade is 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 very young. So um, mm-hmm. so is that so. Was Nino the not the first thing you'd been in? No, no, Degrassi. Oh my God! Of course, Jesus Christ! I'm the worst host ever. Oh my God! (laughs) And that was and y'all shot that in Canada. Yeah, we did in Toronto. Yeah. Okay. So we I know we talked about this in our other interviews that we've had, which were awesome. Um, (laughs) But uh, so basically, what was that like for you? Were you? Why did you decide to go into the business? Was it, was it something you decided? Was it someone else's dream? Like, yeah. how did that all go down? Oh God, no. My, my mom, you know, thank God for her. She just rolled with it. She was like, okay, like we're doing this now. All right. Like, let me figure out how I can support you. Um, yeah, no, it was definitely always my thing. I just loved being front and center. Like I loved all of the attention. I'm just going <laughs> to say it like it is, you know, like, sure. And it, which is so funny because it's so not, you know, I think then it happened. And then I was like, oh shit, oh shit. I don't want this. I don't want this. Never mind. Um, and I, you know, became an introvert um, very quickly, but yeah, when I was younger, I just loved being front and center. I didn't care, you know, how it was going to happen. I just knew that I wanted to be famous, whether I was going to be a freaking pop star or, you know, a huge backup dancer for someone cool or an actor. I didn't care. I was like, I just need to, you know, be in in the limelight and, and in Hollywood. And um, that's kind you of were just how ambitious. Happened. Yeah, you were just an ambitious person. Yeah. Um, that's really interesting. And you know, we have kids now. It's like, I look at 
my daughter's personality is at five and three, and they're so different. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I can tell that, you know, actively right now, one is into science big time. And mm-hmm. of course I'm like, let's go, we're doing the science thing. Right. Like I'm trying to push her into that. And then the other one is like that front and center vibe. And you know what I mean? It's like, I'm it's trying so to scary. honor that, whatever that is and whatever. And so I understand where your mom's yeah. coming from. But you, yeah. did you ever sit down with your mom and have any more logical conversations? Like, at what point did your mom start to realize that that it wasn't like good for your mental health? I'm actually curious about that. Was it when you were younger? When I was on 90210, like it, okay. when on Degrassi, I mean, it was cool that I like you know, got to miss school sometimes and like go and, and act. And I had watched Degrassi. I came into Degrassi in season four. So, you know, yeah. it was a huge show in Canada, obviously. Mm-hmm. And it was shot, you know, not far from where I grew up. And okay. um, so it was like very exciting to get that job and to to be on that and whatever. But like, I still went to my normal high school. I had mm-hmm. all the same friends that I'd grown up with. It wasn't a big oh, deal. It really mm-hmm. wasn't a negative thing. And I was still planning on going to university. Like nothing was was weird about it because fame didn't come into play as a teenager living in Canada on a Canadian series. And then when I Know know happened, you know, we were instantly catapulted into like, mega fame. On well, the that was like CW. Happy. It was CW, right? Yeah. So yeah. CW did that from the get-go. It's like what Disney does now where it's like, oh. if you're a Disney kid, you're going to have at least two, three million followers on, you know, Insta immediately. Yeah. Like it was one of the, I mean, I think the way the CW worked at the time, I really don't know anymore because it's been so long, but I at the know. time, um, you know, they kind of picked a show each season that they would pour most of their marketing budget into basically, you know, and because 90210, the original name and everything like that, there was so much hype around it. This was at the very, like, this is how old I am. This was at like the early stages of remakes and spinoffs happening, right? Like everything was a remake, but at that time there wasn't a lot of that going on. So it was very exciting. That's Um, true. I remember, I remember, I think I'm, I don't know if I had auditioned for it or not, but I think I was a little on the, I think I, I might've been on the weird, like older side or something. You know what I mean? Like I might've mm. been like, t- you know, like, I think I was just, I don't know. Casting's so weird. They told me that I wasn't attractive enough to uh, audition for Gossip Girl back in the day. They were like, no, she needs to be like hot. Like I was like 16. I was like, what the hell's going on? But cool. I get it. But it also fucking sucks and fuck them. Um, uh, okay, but I remember well, always I was a relatable one on I don't oh, know. So I lived with that. <laughs> the fans like all the girls are like five eight models, <laughs> and like I'm the relatable girl next door. I'm like I know what that's code for, by the way. Thank oh, you. No. Oh, fuck them. Awesome. <laughs> so when you, uh, I remember having so much animosity, by the way, for not ever getting cast in a CW show. I remember driving <laughs> by the WB lot. They used to hand paint the the new projects. Do you remember that oh. by chance? They used to, no. okay, so this is how old I am, okay? <laughs> is that the WB lot used to hand paint Dawson's Creek 
like posters every season they would do different oh ones and they would highlight which i'm assuming which ones they were like dumping their marketing dollars in but they no, would literally yeah, have yeah. a mural on the side of wb and you'd drive by and you're like be like holy shit like like very like old hollywood moment where you'd be like how That's do i cool. get in how do i infiltrate that but then yeah. i remember seeing those 90210 posters that they had yeah. as well and it was blowing yeah. up so that's how i knew about it really yeah. being that marketing thing was that it was front and center on the lot and um were you sh okay so let's let's get into that then <laughs> so degrassi was a pretty good experience let's unpack that you yes, were a degrassi. canadian girl in a canadian series you, yeah. you, so when you decided you were going to go to Hollywood, it was because of 90210 or 90, as I hear Ian Ziering calls it from a girl that dated him uh, yeah, a long I time ago. I don't, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I, well, I got the job from Toronto. So I was still doing Degrassi, but I had, um, I had basically Degrassi. I worked my way up my role on that show. Like I had a couple lines my first year and then they finally gave me a main storyline my third year. Then they finally offered me a regular character contract for my fourth year and they wanted it to be two years. And I was like, no, I'll do one year because then I'm going to go to college or something's going to happen and I'm going to blow up and, and be on a Hollywood series. That's the only way I'm going to continue acting. I'm not going to like, just keep going here, right. you know? So, right. so luckily I had only signed the one year contract because I ended up booking 90210 and I needed to get written off to go and do that. So when I was studying for my SATs, I had gotten into university in Montreal Again, I'm always like, the grass is greener. I'm like, okay, cool. I got into McGill for business school, but I'm going to defer that and I'm going to take my SATs and apply to Columbia, you know? Like, oh, I'm going to try to awesome. Look just, at you. You know, crazy. Um, but do you, you ever know. wish that you would have gone to McGill? <clears throat> All the time. All the time. Interesting. Yeah. See, time. I left after even Stevens. I had a pilot that I did right after we wrapped, and it uh -huh. was a Fox pilot. Uh -huh. And um, it was like some sexy boarding school girls in uniform kind of thing, and mm -hmm. it, and it didn't go, but it was it was really funny. Um, and I was like, well, it's a win win. Like I either do this or I go to Columbia, and so I went and wow. I was I was studying political science. And oh my gosh. I'm telling you, like, the there's a lot That's of... That's so crazy. I literally just got goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very that sliding doors so S. Very sliding doors S. Very cool to talk to you, though, for real. Um, okay, so 90210, and then life changed. And, like, so did you move okay. from Canada... Like, yeah. then, did you like, did you miss Canada? Did you like, like living? No, in I was place? like, peace out. I packed up like all my clothes because I was living at my mom's. I was 18, you know, okay. like I okay. had nothing. So uh -huh. I just put all my clothes in a bunch of suitcases and was like, hell yeah, I'm out of here. I get to get yes. my own apartment. I'm making money. I'm going uh -huh. to Hollywood. Like, this is yeah. amazing. <laughs> you know, oh, like awesome. dreams do come true. Oh my God. Um, I sense yeah, foreboding. Yeah, it was just wild. I sense a foreboding yeah, kind of like, thing I, underneath it all. <laughs> totally, totally. Like I, uh, you know, when I look back, it's like a movie because it's like, I grew up watching you on Even Stevens. I grew up freaking idolizing Lizzie McGuire and yeah. Hillary Duff. 
had been offered the role I got on 90210, ended up passing on the role and I got it. So literally when I got the call, my agent, I was like writing flashcards at home alone. And my, my, my husband, my agent was like, are you sitting down? And I was like, yes. And he was like, get ready for your life to change. You, you got the job. And I was like, what? And like, had nobody to tell my mom wasn't picking up the phone. Like nobody's picking up the phone. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm just like going to implode with this insane information right now. Like, what do yeah. I do? Yeah. And then I immediately went to my friend's house Mm-hmm. And they just Googled me, which would turn up nothing previously. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's my picture side by side with freaking Hillary Duff. And like my mind was just blown, you know, it's oh like, gosh. what the hell just happened? And uh-huh. that was it. And then like, I literally moved to LA. Well, first I went for just a two week trip to shoot like a sizzle reel. We basically did like a video photo shoot kind of thing so that they had something to show at the upfronts because they'd already sure. bought us for a season. So there was no pilot. So I, I like, it. Oh, wow. That, that was, was also be- kind of rare too. They didn't used to do that yeah. either. Yeah. 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 It was they like, were, they really, were excited. It was already yeah. cooked up and ready to go. And so to just be plopped into that situation, I mean, mm-hmm. it was a life changing, like the most extreme scenario, you know, like it was yeah. already baked. It was fully baked for us. And you must, I you must remember- have felt very confident, like in a, in a young, naive way, because you oh, manifested yeah. that so fast oh, yeah. for yourself. Yeah. yeah. And so totally. you must have had quite a lot of confidence. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. oh, and I'm the star of this gosh darn. Yes. Like my, so I'm what, on the cut. Like people would be upset that they were on the, you know, on the tabloids and whatever. I'm like, dude, I've been buying those tabloids for my entire high school existence. Like this is my it. dream come true. Like I want, I wanted all of that attention and still until it started happening. And you're an expert manifester. I was going to say like, you really are truly a manifester. I've never even realized this. So, so when you met everybody during that sizzle reel, what was that like? Do you, did you remember what it was like to meet everybody? I just remember being like, my God, everyone's so hot. (laughs) (laughs) We're all just, everybody's so hot. I get to wear like cool clothes and expensive things. So like, like, this is wild. Like it just felt like a dream. The whole thing. It was like a dream. Like my teenage dream quite literally came true. Um, which was insane, you know, and posters, it all started to happen so fast though, that like it, it did feel surreal. So you're not really processing anything that's happening. Um, well, you're not supposed to because you're just an actor and like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're not, you're just a vessel, um, and you're just a meat puppet. I mean, that's the truth. (laughs) I know. And like everyone else, you know, had been living in LA except for Mm. Tristan. Tristan came from New York, but Tristan had been on the wire and the wire, you know, was a, had a cult following like the wire had like amazing actors and super cool celebrities who were fans of The Wire, you know? Yeah, so like, yeah, yeah. he had a real like cool factor that yeah. like nobody else had, you know? Like he was legit. And then yeah. 
there was everybody else was already living in LA and they were auditioning and they had done pilots that got didn't get picked up. And they, sure. so for them, yes, it was still so exciting that they booked but, something that had, you know, 24 episode first season already bought. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it was like a, like I literally got plucked out of Canada where at the time nobody like made it in America. It was like everyone's dream for that to happen. And I just got like put into, you know, like this yeah. wild scenario. And it was right. like, holy shit. Yeah. What, did, did the creators say why they, did they like that about you? Sort of a fish out yes. of water, actual relatable yeah. teenager. That's yes. what they liked. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, with Hillary, the Hill, I believe the version I get anyway, right? Because you know yeah. who fucking knows, right? It really goes on. But yeah. I think everyone, you know, like a lot of the time, even now, like most of the girls we grew up auditioning with and whatever, like they get straight offers for a series because they bring that name value to the series. And I think yep. my showrunners, they did Freaks and Geeks. They like found oh. all of these incredible, you know, talents who were super young at the time, Busy Phillips, James Franco, Jason Siegel, like all of these huge people now, but they weren't those huge people then. And they could just see that raw talent and that like Mm -hmm. oddness to all of Mm -hmm. them as like individuals. And Uh and that's what made Freaks and Geeks so brilliant. And Mm -hmm. so for them, they were like, it's 90210. Like you don't need a name. You need Mm -hmm. people that like don't have the name because they need to be this gaggle of kids. That's the next generation of 90210, you know, like it would, if, if you had somebody as famous as Hillary Duff join 90210, it would be Hillary Duff's show and you know, the rest of the characters. And they really wanted that high school ensemble feeling, you know, the gang, right? Like who the original Beverly Hills people were to us. um, Do you remember meeting the original? I remember there being backlash from the original cast. Do you remember that? Wasn't there backlash when the reunion came out? I, Ian Ziering wasn't a fan. Ian, Ian wasn't um, (laughs) a fan. Yeah, like, and it, and, it, and it is interesting when you think of these, like, reboots and whatnot, because there is a legacy there. Um, and yes. so it's hard sometimes, even, like, even admittedly me for, like, Impossible and stuff, it, it, it's it's hard to be like, oh, okay, like, th- this is a legacy that I now have to either either wrap my head around, like, sharing or, but mm-hmm. they didn't recreate the roles themselves, right? They were no. new people. Yeah, they were new yeah, people. Yeah, so... The tie to the original was Silver, who was one of the characters on our show, went by Silver. Her name was Erin Silver. So she was actually supposed to be Kelly Taylor and David Silver's little sister, who was a baby in the original oh, series. So oh, that smart. was the, the tie. And smart. then, of course, they had the brother and sister who moved from Kansas, just like the Brendan Brandon character. You know, right, but we right. weren't Brendan. Um, so, yeah, it was like a spinoff. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. Okay. All right. So when did when did shit get weird then? Immediately? Like I know you said it was surreal, but like I am really yeah. curious like about unpacking um when things are surreal to when they become detrimental. Was yeah. your mom because you still were young, I wanna say. Like yeah. you still like I'm really curious too. It's like when you went back to Canada that first time, like to visit your Mm -hmm. friends and family and stuff, was there a difference there or were you still just Shanae? No, I think it was still just 
you know, me, like, cause I had always That's had good. that larger than life personality. So like, I just now had the job to suit my personality. <laughs> like Got it, it was not like, I was always, I was the kind of person, like my mom always laughed at me. Cause she was like, you're the kind of person who would like stop traffic to walk across the street and not even realize that there were any cars there. Like you were just that way. You know, <laughs> I was always on my mission wherever I was going, chin held high, like just like really not, you know, I love that. nothing, but you're just not, a, but you're not an asshole though. Like this is the funny <laughs> thing is like you say this and sometimes people will say this and they're like those kinds of people that you're like, Oh, you're just too much. Like, I don't feel like you're too much. I've never no. felt that way. I just like I had a lot of confidence, but I wasn't like I didn't think I was like hot shit. You're a narcissist, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I and I, I've never been competitive with other people. I think that's the difference too. Like people who who really put a lot of like I'm so confident out there. Yeah. It, it's it's from a place of insecurity, and therefore there's a lot of catty bullshit that comes with that. And it's not nice and not kind and not grounded. Whereas with me, ever since I was little, I had that confidence, but it was like, I, I was only ever in, I just wanted to top myself. Like I, I got into McGill business school. Awesome. Okay. Now I want to try and get into Columbia. Like, you know, it was just always to top myself. It, It really had nothing to do with anybody. It wasn't until I was in Hollywood and yeah. on the first season of 90210, where okay. I started to get those insecurities in myself that I think started to kind of unravel the experience for me and really Got become it. something that was very negative and, and detrimental. And that came from, you know, it came from a lot of places. First of all, put a bunch of 20 somethings who, by the way, are predominantly Scorpios on a cast. I was going to ask you. Uh, what you, uh, okay. you needed a Pisces like, in there. You needed a Pisces. I know. We had a cancer, uh, you know, Annalyn's a cancer uh, that comes with its own bag. You needed um, a Pisces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My best friend throughout all of this actually was a Pisces. Um, yeah. But yeah, we were a bunch of Scorpio women in their like late teens, early 20s who had just been catapulted to Insta fame on, yeah. you know, one of the new hot shows. Of course, shit is going to unravel. Not yeah. to mention the fact that we were also stepping into, yes, a legacy of the original 90210 and all the wonderful things that that show was, but also the infamy of the caddy drama that happened oh, behind the scenes between yes. the actresses on that show. So naturally, the media had a lot of fun (laughs) trying to peg us into those roles. I think it started to infiltrate all of our own minds and really, I mean, pin us against each other in so many ways. And I think that's what happened. And I can't speak to it accurately because I don't know. I've never talked to these women about it. But from what I hear just through the grapevine and whatever, I think there was a lot of that with the original show, too. It's like, oh, my gosh, Shannon Doherty and um, uh, what's her name? Jenny Garth. Uh, Jenny Garth. I I lived for that. Like, we did. And that is really effed up because the media almost made a meta metaverse for you guys to have to, like, live in. And the fact that it infiltrated your actual brain. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Oh yeah. yeah, because it was like, you know, who wants to, who is going to be 
the star, right? At that point. And it's like, who's getting more press? Who's booking cooler jobs on the side during hiatus? Who is like climbing out of the ensemble and into Mm -hmm. a spotlight of their own? And like there wasn't enough room for everybody to be successful Mm -hmm. coming off the show. There wasn't the mentality of an ensemble success. Mm -hmm. It was. No, no. And that, that didn't come from us because when we started, we were so stoked on this yeah. like family, holy shit, we are all the only people in the world experiencing this wild ride right now. Yeah, and we got that like in the end. Yeah. Oh, but, good. That's good. You know, so did your showrunners, yeah. that must have broke your showrunners hearts because I know Freaks and Geeks, they were all so close for so long. Yes. But um, yeah. I'm, I know there's probably was drama there too, but like it, it was mm-hmm. a pretty tight ensemble and they all were successful mm-hmm. in the end. So, I mean, did they ever uh-huh. come into the mix and be like, let's talk to each other or like, did they help no. you? Were they supportive? Okay. They did it because, um, and Gabe, who was like the showrunner um, at the time, Gabe and Jeff were the showrunners, but I was super, super tight with Gabe because I had no parents there and I was the yeah. youngest. So Gabe really stepped in, Rob Estes, Lori Lachlan, like they really stepped in to just yeah. have my back and invite me over to dinner. And, you know, like they were aware that I had no family yeah. around me. Um, but Gabe and Jeff, um, at episode 19, we swapped showrunners to a new showrunner. So I don't know how long they knew that that was happening for. We were made aware at some point mid-season that they were leaving and that this new showrunner was coming in. Hmm. Um, But I think they probably mentally checked out at some point when they like knew that that transition was coming. Um, so they didn't really, you know, they weren't there, um, to kind of guide us back to each other, um, which was unfortunate. Um, and then the new showrunner that came in, you know, she didn't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. I was going to say like, how must that have felt if you were already struggling and the people you had sort of come to the party with just kind of left? It was hard. And you're the first person and only person that's ever noticed that that would be, um, Gabe, like to me became very much like a father figure. And I felt very abandoned Mm -hmm. when, and it's, it's business. Like he had no reason to stay for me or like anything like that at all. But I felt like we were so close and I didn't get a heads up until everyone knew. And then he Mm -hmm. was just like, they were out. The new lady was in And I was like, oh my God, you've literally fed me to the fucking sharks here. And like, now I've got to carry on with this shit. And I don't have you, which was like my huge sense of comfort. Like he was who like really, you know, brought me into the project. And, um, and that was really hard because the new showrunner, I mean, really did not care about the well-beings of anybody. Sure. Um, and it was, well, it almost it was makes like you wonder if the studio themselves were like, okay, so now we're going to do what we want because we have these really top tier showrunners who are exiting and we need to keep this sexy. We need to keep this at the top of the minds. We're going to use, you know, I can almost hear the way these evil studio execs sometimes will work. And it's right. like, okay, so like there's a fight in the press happening right now. So we're going to write to that. Okay. So we're going to like mm-hmm. keep writing to that and make it so that's salacious. Um, so that feels, that feels like an interesting part of the journey to me. I don't know why, but 
Mm -hmm. Have you talked to Gabe at all? Like, have you ever been able to circle back? No. That sucks, no. man. I bumped really into sick. him occasionally. Um, I like I, I we've never connected on like what happened, why they left. Right. Um, you know, I knew it was all business and whatever, of course, but I really don't know like why that shift happened. Um, sure. And then they went on to do Wimpy Kids, and I know that that was doing really well for them. Mm -hmm. um, but that's it. Like I, you know, nothing. Yeah. No, um, I respect that. And of course, it's like you're like you weren't like expecting that person to stay. But when, when you don't have mentorship in Hollywood as no. a female, as no. a female, this is what we're lacking, you know? And yeah. I think the Me Too movement was helpful, but I will tell you this, the people that have judged me the harshest in my industry and have not given me a leg up were female executives. Yeah. Dude, time yeah. and time again, it is so hard to get women you know to advocate on your behalf. It's, it's funny you say that because I always half laugh at like when you're out in public, I don't know if you've noticed this, but it's always like the older moms, like the moms of grown kids that like don't op help me with opening the door when I'm like struggling with a baby and a toddler to get into a Starbucks or it's yeah. it, they, you know, Even they in have Nashville? like- <laughs> uh, well, Nashville's different a little bit, but, but you know, it's like, it's typically like that is the, I would say out of every kind of demographic of human, they're the least likely to give me grace or help me or anything like that. Fuck, and I man. think it's because everybody's got this chip on their shoulder of like, well, I fucking had to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I had to do it the hard way. I had to, you know, claw my way to the top of that executive ladder. I had to... You know, I had to endure that without a village. So like you, you're capable, you know, and, and I think that really like it, it which is a shame. And I think we're, yeah. you know, hopefully anyway, sort of seeing a, a turn of the tide because yeah. there's a lot about like women empowering women. And I'm like, I call bullshit yeah, because 100%. I, I have so many times like to other people, like you and me, for example, I don't know you, I don't know you anything. You don't know me anything. Right. But I feel a real camaraderie with you just because of our life experience. And it's like, if I say, Hey, Chrissy, can you do this? You're like, yep. And you're like, Hey, Shay, can you do this? I'm like, absolutely. Like, do you want to do it tomorrow? You know, yeah. because, because I get it and I have a mutual respect and I want to help you. I want to see you succeed. And I believe that you want that for me too, but there, because there's enough, there's enough uh, there's for all enough. of us. There's more than enough. But there's, there's such a feeling of scarcity. And like, I have, you know, I have acquaintances who, who doing nothing, like something that's so small for them would make such a huge impact for something that I want to do. And yep. they would never, never, because God forbid I inch my way closer to their throne or, you know, whatever yeah. the fuck this mentality is. Yeah. And it's, it's such a shame. And I'm like, screw you preaching your like women empowering women bullshit because like mm. actions speak louder than words. And, mm. you know, we want more female investment. People like I'm, I'm an aspiring entrepreneur. I've been trying to raise money for months and it's like, for what, you know, only 2.4% of VC dollars go into female founded businesses. So naturally I'm like, find me the female VCs so that right. they understand, you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. these things aren't going to change until more women 
put their money where their mouth is, right? You can preach female empowerment all day long, but if you're not ready to put your hand in your pocket or to write the email and make the introduction or to help each other out, help a sister out, we as a collective are not going to inch our way closer to that equality that we are all after. And it's a fucking damn shame, man. You know, um, we could spend a lot of time dwelling on how Hollywood sucks. Um, But we don't do that, which is, you know, the haters want to say like, oh, like, you know, don't live in the past or move on, this and that. The funny thing I always, I, I have to think about myself when I'm like posting stuff on trauma, which a lot of people relate to, a lot of people appreciate, a lot of mm-hmm. people, like, it helps people when we talk about stuff we've been through, honestly. Because they mm-hmm. th- thought they saw us in a very particular light. And so when we talk mm-hmm. about our journey, it really helps a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. And so I always have to laugh when people are like, move the fuck on, or like, you know, like, why are you, why are you still talking about your trauma? It's like, because this is how I'm moving on. This is me mm-hmm. reclaiming the narrative of my life, mm-hmm. you know, what Perez Hilton took from you or like whatever. And so I thought it was very cool when you did kind of confront Perez <laughs> on mm-hmm. your podcast. Yeah. I was like, I have to watch this one. How did it go? <laughs> How did it go in the end? I didn't get to watch it then. It went so well. People were mad at me for like giving him the space, like giving him the airtime or whatever. And I was like, this is for me. This isn't for him. This isn't for you. This is all for me. I have a platform where I can actually do this now all these years later. Like this is a healing experience for me. And I, I want to come to a place where like, I I felt very lucky in that moment to, to be in a position to be able to confront one of my biggest boogeymen in my life and, and, you know, hopefully allow him the opportunity to see the human behind the headlines that he would write. And, you know, whatever, like, do I, do you think you actually reached him though? I don't Do fucking know. I don't know. And I don't you care. Feel- it's not okay. about him. It really isn't about him. Like he's going to live his life and be on whatever path he's on. Right. Like sure. I, that's nothing to do with me. That's not my business. Cool. Yeah. What my business is, is, you know, healing and processing and, and living my fullest, happiest life and um, okay. being my best self. And I don't okay. stoop to people's levels. That's not how I roll. And I like conversation. I don't believe in, I don't agree with you. You did something I don't like. I'm just, you know, writing you off because I sp- I've spent so much of my life doing that. And if, if I feel like a conversation can't be had, well then, okay, I've got to like move on and close off for my own peace of mind so that I can move on. And it's yeah. unfortunate when those things happen, but you know, I think conversation is important and like not finger pointing, not, you know, that mean words and all of that kind of shit. Cause that's like getting people on the defense right away. Like nothing constructive can come from that. But, um, I enjoyed the conversation personally. And when people were like mad at me about it, I was like, so don't listen. It's my podcast. (laughs) Like it is what it is. Just don't listen. So when did you meet your hubby? Now we get to talk about the fun stuff and how, and (laughs) what you're doing now. And when you decided to move to Nashville. Um, yeah, I met him just over 10 years ago. We just celebrated our 10 year anniversary. Y'all met at a bar? You guys met at a bar? Yeah. Well, no, at a, mutual, at a mutual friend's house 
first at their apartment and then um we went to a bar i don't know somewhere probably in the east village a dime oh in new york you guys met in new york yeah yeah okay yeah um yeah so that was that and then that was kind of it and i love your post where you were like there was a hot guy that you pinned up in the magazines because he had been a model and and that you married him it's so cool (laughs) But I am like I am the queen of manifestation, but also like how mortifying. I realized that very early into our relationship. I was literally in the car with um, Emma Roberts because we were filming like an indie movie together, Uh and we were both she was dating somebody at the she had just started dating somebody at the time, and I was dating Josh, like very new. And the last time we had because we we would film for a week and then we'd go away for a couple of weeks and come back and film. So like the first time there was like nobody. And then the second time we're both like, I think I have a boyfriend. I think I have one too. <laughs> like, Aww. I'm like, yeah, but I don't have any photos of him. Let me show you. And I just like Googled his name. Cause he had said he did modeling and that photo came up and I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> this is who I know this photo. Cause it's like on my mom's computer. I know that photo. I know that photo. When you post that photo, I knew exactly. Exactly what this photo was. It's amazing. People go to your TikTok and go check it out. Okay, so you guys, when do you guys start the family? Out, do all the normal things? Like, were you? Did you say you were? You weren't in a dark place, were you, when you met him? No. I mean, were you, yeah. So you were in a good place. Yeah, I was in a good place. So you know, when you meet somebody that young, I was 22 when I met him. We got married when I was 23, yeah. and it was one of those things where you know, first of all, of course, you know, like nobody thinks it's going to last. <laughs> so there's yeah, that. Not in Hollywood, in the back right? But it's also just like we knew that we were meeting each other really young. We knew that we were each other's soulmates, and we knew that. It was just going to be one of those things where we were going to grow and we were going to change as people. We were going to evolve wow. and we needed to continue to make a conscious choice to make sure that we grew together instead of apart. And that was it. You know what I mean? So we, you know, it's not like we never had hardships in our relationship and all of the rest of, of it and whatever. And then you start adding, you know, babies to the mix and all of it. Like it, it's all been a crazy ride and continues <laughs> to be, but every single day we know that like we're here out of our own free will and we, you know, we, we will always we show just up, choose each other every day. Yeah. You know? That's so, amazing. That's yeah. It. You know, you see so many people uh, making like like wedded bliss content sometimes. Actually, there's more people on TikTok that are more like us where it's like, ah, this clusterfuck <laughs> called marriage. But it is the people that take it a day at a time and show yeah. up for each other daily like that that really do, I feel like, have stronger uh, but I also don't think it should be hard work. Like I hear that a lot on Instagram. It's like marriage yeah. is hard work. Marriage is hard work. I'm like, I don't know, man. Like if it's that fucking hard, like I'm not saying that like you, you know, don't have your blips in the road and whatever, but I, like mm-hmm. there hasn't been a single day in 10 years where I've ever thought like the thought hasn't even crossed my mind of like, I'd rather be somewhere else than doing sure. this. Or it's sure. so hard that like, I've really got to try right now to be with this person. Like never. And if it ever got that way, like we always say like, you know, we'll always just like be like, whether it's in the heat of a moment or just after a fight or just in bed after a long day with the kids, it's like, would you marry me again today if I asked, you know? And the answer is always yes. So we just keep doing it. You know what I mean? Really but it's like, cute, if the answer is never no. Yeah, that's then, really sweet. You know. That's really sweet. I really like that. And he really does seem sweet. And I really want 
our hubs to get together because you know how you have to plan yeah. friendships for guys like you have to oh, like right, make yeah. them meet and then well, especially when you have parents and shit. Like I have like, you know, text conversations with people for like six months about like, let's get coffee next week. And it's like, oh my God. <laughs> so it hard. Have you, yeah. have you liked living in Nashville now that you're, you're there, you left Hollywood, I guess. And I didn't know that you quit <laughs> acting because you're so good that I'm like, no, why did you quit? I'll I didn't quit. Never. Like I'm yeah. like good. Justin Bieber, like one day, you know, never say never. I, I'm, I do your sure own I'll... stuff though. Produce your own content, <laughs> produce your own Whatever. show. You know, like I'm, I'm so open to it. I just know while my yeah. babies are little, I don't want to be on set. Amen. Like that's my big thing. It's, it's just 12 hours time. a day away from your kids like that. It's very difficult. Minimum. And minimum. like when you're on set, they own your ass. There is no, like your time is their money. Like there is zero flexibility. There's no sick, day, sick days. There's no, my kid, what would happen if my kid fell, broke their arm and needed to go to the hospital? You better believe mommy would still have to hang out on set and like you oh, just be on FaceTime. Oh, that makes me like, sick. Yeah, yeah, that makes like, me I so sick. Want that. I don't want that. It's a big sacrifice. Myself. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, Sinead, so, then what are you no. doing now that you said you were raising money for? Well, I, I started developing an app a while ago, like at, when I, after I had my first kid, um, but tech is expensive. And it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know if I still don't know if it'll ever see the light of day. And I try to be really open about the entrepreneurial journey because I feel like a lot of people, they love to tell you all of the hardships that they had in their path to success, like yeah. after they've reached the point of success. And it's a lot easier to tell those stories when you're out on the other side of them and have like this huge successful brand to talk about. And you're like, but it wasn't always easy getting here, you know? And I think it's important that we actually quote unquote normalize like the process, um, because okay. it's just honest, you know, I think, um, raising money as a female is hard. Um, raising as a, uh, raising money as a female person of color is even harder. And, and these kind yeah. of statistics, like are things that need to be, um, raised awareness. And I've now become an angel sure. investor in businesses and I seek out female founders. I seek out, oh, um, nice. founders who are, are persons of color because I, I want to put money into these things and these mm -hmm. areas in business that mm -hmm. I want to see thrive. And I might not mm -hmm. have the venture capitalist dollars to help them, you know, blow their business up overnight. But if I can just be a small part of that change, it's something that I'm really passionate about. Um, Yay. so yeah, so, you know, doing that, but we're, we're on TikTok, we're on YouTube, we're on all of the social platforms and creating content day in and day out and, and doing what I know how to do best, which is entertain people, but, you know, having the privilege of being able to now do it from home so I can be physically present with my kids. And that's, that's, kind oh, of I love you so much. Shelley. Shanae, you are uh, an <laughs> expert manifester. I want some of that entered like I want your magic <laughs> you're a white witch and I want your magic <laughs> if um, I can figure really, out like, I'm like lightning struck me a couple times already in my life so if I can figure out how to keep making it happen I'll, I'll you got bottle this. that shit Trust up me. And, and send with the way that the world is <laughs> I, I gotta say with the way that the world is and how crazy it is I think you are right in the path for that, that growth that's so beyond Hollywood that, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I feel like you're right where you need to be. And it, it reassures me too, that, yeah. you know, we're all on our own path and that, you know, you're just a wonderful person. Thank you so much for taking Thank the time. You. I'm I, anything you ever need, you. please let me know. Okay. Cause Thank I'll, you. I'll Vice show versa. up. Thank you for giving me the space. I, I, appreciate hell yeah. You. People need to know you're amazing. 
that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, girl. Well, have a good day. Yes. All right, love. Well, thank you so much. Vulnerable is hosted by me, Christy Carlson Romano, produced by Elizabeth Joy Windham and executive produced by Brendan Rooney. Our sound engineer and editor is Elizabeth Joy Windham and our video editor is Eduardo Gamba. Follow Vulnerable wherever you listen to podcasts so you can join me every week for a vulnerable conversation. And be sure to follow Vulnerable on Instagram and TikTok at The Vulnerable Podcast. And make sure to tune in to my YouTube to watch the video version. 